All right, so my name is Molly Chenault and I am the Public Services Librarian at the Emporia Public Library. And today is September 15th, 2020. So if you could say your name. My name is Andrew Smith. I'm an Associate Professor at the School of Library and Information Management at Emporia State University. And I also serve on the Emporia Public Library Board. Thank you. And Andrew, when did you first hear about the coronavirus? Gosh, that's a difficult question to answer. I think actually it would be in January when I first heard about it. And because I think, actually, yes, it was in January. I was having my annual physical exam and I asked the nurse who was taking all my vital signs about it and if we should be concerned. So I think that's the first time I was really conscious of it. I must have heard about it when I was asking her about the, the impact. And what was your reaction when you did start to hear things about it? I, I think the first reaction was just, first of all, not being concerned because it was far away. So the first indications were it was in China. And I don't think we really consider how interconnected our world really is now. So something that's in China today could easily be in Emporia, Kansas tomorrow, just because you hop on a couple of planes and here you are. But we don't think of it quite that way. So at first I wasn't terribly concerned, but then as we started hearing more about the various places that were experiencing it and seeing infection rates, then that became more concerning and not necessarily concerning personally, as in would I get sick, but quite early on, I started thinking about our international trips because uh, SLIM sends students every year to various places as part of their coursework. And I usually take students to Serbia and a colleague was taking students to Berlin planned. And quite early on, we started wondering whether in fact this was going to be viable. So I think maybe that's when it first started to become more real, if you like. And then I actually remember it was March, March the 11th. We were having the SLIM retreat. So all of our regional directors were in town and all the faculty and we all met on March the 11th. We all went out to dinner in the evening. And essentially, I think the next day as people were leaving to go home was when we got the announcement from the president that the university was not going to reopen after that week, which was spring break and we would be seeing what happened. Although at that time, there was no understanding that this would last as long as it has lasted. We were simply saying, we're not coming back next week. We'll see what happens the week after. So that's, I suppose that's an answer to your question. And when, when you did find out that for example, the schools were going to stay closed for the rest of the semester and different shops and restaurants started to shut down for a period of time. 
Did your, did your thoughts change? Did you think that this was going to become a big thing here? I think by the time that really happened, we realized it was a big thing. And it was a scary thing. But practically at the beginning, we were coming out of spring break. We had teaching. Now, just because of the nature of the SLIM program, as you know, but the other listeners may not, we teach some courses completely online, but all of our core courses, the required courses in our master's program, feature two intensive weekend sessions that are usually face-to-face, -face, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. And the faculty really like those, and I think the students like them too, first of all, because you get an opportunity to meet together but from the faculty perspective, we also have an opportunity to do things in a room together that are much harder to do online. But it rapidly became apparent that we were going to have to do all of our second weekends online. And that was extremely challenging because we'd already, we were more than halfway through the semester, we'd already set what we were going to do. So it was very difficult to change it so then you're trying to do in an online environment things that you had purposefully planned to do because you were going to be in a face-to-face -face environment. And, and that was extremely challenging. And then for us, we teach in the summer, but all of our summer classes are now online. So that wasn't a concern for us in changing what we were doing. But I think in seeing the effects on our students and seeing the effects on us through the summer was quite a challenge. And even now when we have, the university is back to face-to-face -to -face or a version of face-to-face -face instruction on campus. But for us, our weekends are such that because we teach now in, in eight different locations, a weekend for us is not simply going into a classroom in Emporia and teaching. It's traveling to an airport, taking one or two flights to get to a destination airport, renting a car, driving to a hotel, either going to restaurants every day or going to a store to buy food so that you can survive. It's very different and the dean did not think it's safe for us to travel for our first weekends was one reason that we are doing everything online at the moment. The other was when we go to teach, we are very often using space in other universities or in other locations. They are not keen to have anybody external use their facilities, as you can understand, because they're trying to contain this as much as possible. So we didn't have places to hold our classes if we went face to face. So we have remained online officially for the first half of the fall semester. We'll make a determination in a couple of weeks as to whether the second half of the fall semester will be online or face to face. But it's not looking particularly positive at the moment. I've even forgotten what your original question was and how I got there. So ask me another question. Okay. We had a lot of 
rapid changes in March and April. Was there anything that changed slowly over the past six months or so, so that you noticed it maybe down the road? I'm not really sure about how to answer that. In some ways, things changed very rapidly. As far as work was concerned, the main thing that changed for us was simply not being in the office. Now, we're faculty, so we do an awful lot of work at bizarre times. We travel for weekends. We you know, are dealing with different time zones. So for us, we're already doing things where we're coming and going at different times and have office hours at you know, outside normal business hours. So for us, I don't think that was such a change. And at the beginning, it wasn't such a change not being there. It was just, well, we've sort of, you know, I've operated like this before, I can do it again. I think what I've come to realize, and particularly as a person who lives alone, how important all the seemingly irrelevant little interactions are, even just greeting people as you pass them in the corridor. There is a tremendous social value in that, that is missing when you aren't walking down the corridors, when you're not seeing people. And it becomes isolating. Um, now, I'm in touch with people all the time, so I'm not feeling lonely or isolated, but I became aware, I suppose, a month or so ago of just how, how important those little daily courtesies and interactions are that don't seem important to us. I mean, just saying good morning to someone as you walk past, but in fact, serve a very important social purpose and a very important mental health purpose. And those are things that I think we are particularly beginning to see the cumulative effect of missing out on those. Um, it's, it's very saddening, really, that we don't have those. Are there other things that changed immediately? There, there are other things that we couldn't do. So for example, I sing in the Emporia Community Chorus. We were three weeks, four weeks away from a concert. Well, suddenly all that stopped. And not only did, did we not get to rehearse, so you didn't get to rehearse, you didn't get to see the people you would usually see. The other thing is singing is a physical act. It's also a healthy act. Mm -hmm. it, when you sing, people can actually measure the increase in happiness enzymes in your saliva or something. But I mean, there are, it, it causes measurable physiological differences. So suddenly when that stops, there's a, a sort of happiness fix that you're no longer getting. And of course, because of the nature of singing, if we're talking about a disease that is spread by you know, breath and fluids and whatnot, it's not something you can safely do. But that's been a major challenge, I think, not having that outlet for multiple reasons. 
and of course still not having it as the community chorus is existing at the moment but only for students it's usually students and community people but the community people are excluded for the fall semester you you simply can't have a space where it's viable have a hundred people in a room all socially distanced and and do something meaningful it's just not reasonable so that's something that was a very immediate effect but you didn't quite realize it was an immediate effect i mean it was there and you understood oh we're not going to be singing for the next however many months but the impact of it didn't register i don't think have you found yourself picking up new habits or trying new hobbies or anything to kind of make up for the lack of daily social interactions or maybe um, different social activities that you used to do? I eat more. I think that's very common with a lot of people in the last six months I've eaten more. Um, not particularly, I suppose. Um, I do not do social media. I, I email and I talk to people on the phone and I talk to people on Zoom and Skype, but I do not do social media. A lot of my hobbies are already focused on me sitting in front of a computer doing things. So those didn't necessarily change. In some ways, I had more time to do those. Um, interestingly, although I ought to have had more time, a lot of things seem to take longer to do. And just the whole onlineness, whereas in the past, I might just have popped into someone's office to ask them a question or to have a five minute discussion that would have resolved a question or given me an idea trying to set up a time to talk or do email exchanges backwards and forwards was not nearly as productive. Everything took longer. And I think this is something that I have come to understand. Being there really is important and mediated communication, while it has value, is not as good as being in the room. Now, we've always said that, and certainly when the question has come up in the past of why doesn't Slim just go totally online, there are several reasons for not doing it. But one of the most important reasons is that there is tremendous value in being in a room learning together. And there are things you can do, there are discoveries you can make, there is energy that is there that is not there when you have 25 people in a Zoom room. It is absolutely not the same and it's not nearly as good. Now, is it better than not being there at all? Yes, of course. We've been able to keep our classes on schedule. Students have been able to continue to learn and that's valuable. Are they getting as good a learning experience as if they were able to be there in purpose in person? Are we on the faculty and staff able to have as good an interaction? The answer is no, you're just not. So it makes sense. You know that business 
still spends incredible amounts of money flying people to meetings and flying salespeople to visit customers. The mechanism for doing that online exists, but they understand there is a fundamental difference in a salesperson walking into somebody's office, shaking their hand and talking to them than in simply being on the phone or being on Zoom. And okay, we know that. But until you really have that taken away, I don't think you recognize the extent of how different it is. Uh, just the sheer advantage of physical presence. Do you think that we are going to get back to what we consider to be normal? And if so, when do you think that will happen? Short answer, yes, I don't know. Will we get back to normal? Yes, I think so. Assuming we have a vaccine or assuming we develop herd immunity or assuming something. But yes, I think you look at past events of this type. Yes, life does come back to normal. We revert to older habits. But I think also we will revert to meeting in person because that's what we are drawn. We're human beings. We want to be in company with other human beings. So yes, we are drawn to do that. Time frame, I have no idea. You see things, I was just reading this morning, China is saying that they will have a vaccine ready for November. There are various tests and trials going on. Now my ignorance is, I don't really quite know what vaccine testing is. I mean, I, I know what it is, but what I'm not sure is, are they testing the efficacy of the vaccine to fight the virus or are they testing the safety of the vaccine so that great we can stop you getting coronavirus but we're going to kill you in the process so i'm not sure i would imagine that in a test tube they can determine what they need to do to stop the virus spreading or taking root and that testing is more to do with um, preventing other harm or not causing other harm to you in the process. But all those things just take time. And while it might be very tempting to streamline the process, who wants to, who wants to take a vaccine that will prevent coronavirus but may cause something else that we're not aware of yet? It's a really difficult choice. And I suppose in some ways made less difficult for people who are able to work from home and are able to continue to self-isolate to a large extent. And I'm very fortunate in that regard. I can do almost all of my work from home if pressed. I don't need physically to be anywhere at the moment. And so I am tending still to maintain the same pattern. All my activities aren't happening, so there's nothing for me to go out for. And the, the joke is when I'm reading about, you know, go out and support the restaurants, 
And I thought, yeah, but I don't, I usually don't eat out by myself. So I do not go out and buy myself a meal at a restaurant if I'm on my own. So usually I have to be with somebody. Well, I did have one meal out in a restaurant in, at the end of July. And that was the first time I'd been in a restaurant since March the 11th, which was the day before we closed down. And I have not been in a restaurant since. But frankly, for me, that's not necessarily that unusual. Um, I might be in a restaurant once a month, usually, meeting somebody for a meal, but not. So from my perspective, I'm not seriously damaging the economy by staying in because I'm usually not. My support of the economy is through the grocery stores. It's not through the restaurant business. But I find myself still being very cautious. When I do go to the grocery store, I will tend to go last thing in the evening, sort of in the 30 minutes before they close because there are fewer people there. And so I'm thinking I'm less likely to meet people. I'm less likely to run into folk. And I just do very little that involves me being close to people. What else can I do? It's, and I understand people wanting to be together. I understand people wanting not to wear masks. I understand that, but at the same time, we're not any safer now than we were when we shut down in, in March. The virus is the same. The dangers are the same. We know a little bit more, but we maybe still don't know terribly much. And we obviously don't, although there seem to be a lot of different treatments that are being tried, there doesn't seem to be one thing that people say, ah, yes, we can use this, this, this works, excuse me, in all cases. So, how long? I don't know. Um, my brother's in Britain, so I get all the British news from him. They're confidently predicting they won't, they won't have a vaccine until the spring at the earliest. That would be spring. How long it takes people to get back to, quote, normal? Well, I think sort of as soon as you're inoculated and you're told, you know, how long before this takes effect. Um, I would imagine people would be out the door the day they're released or that they're safe. Um, but how true that is, I don't know. Um, funnily enough, I had the, um, I am of the age when I get to get the shingles vaccine. And I had my first dose at the end of January, I guess. And my second one was supposed to be in April, but of course that was canceled. So I did finally do it at the end of July. And it was very interesting because for the next three or four weeks, I was getting rashes and all kinds of symptoms, not debilitating symptoms, just annoying symptoms. But I, and it took me a couple of weeks to figure out, oh, this is probably the, the shingles vaccine causing this. But it was interesting because I hadn't had that reaction or that strength of reaction in January that I was aware of. But I'm thinking, yes, 
a COVID-19 vaccine, what is the length of time that it will take for your body actually to produce the antibodies? Is it a week? Is it two weeks? Is it three weeks? Is it three months? What's that time frame? Because you add that to whatever, you know, as soon as you have a vaccine, and then how much time does it take to manufacture enough vaccine to vaccinate everybody? And then what time from when you get your vaccine are you safe? I don't know. Right, and that's something that we are probably not gonna know until we hear much more about it, probably a little further down the road. Uh, how has the pandemic affected your relationship with your family and your friends? I talk more frequently to my family on Skype, but equally I would normally have visited. So normally in May I would have taken a group of students to Serbia and I have, I've been visiting Serbia for 10 years, so I actually have quite a few professional friends and personal friends there as well. And I didn't get to go to Serbia, so I didn't get to see those people. I didn't get to go home to Scotland, so I didn't get to be with my family. I didn't get to see my neighbors there. My brother and I kept our parents' house. And I'm usually there over the summer and for a period over Christmas. So there are people there that I know to say hello to and to people I would meet, people from university days that I would visit, usually on an annual basis. So all that's missing. And that's sad in a way because it's part of my, you don't really think about it being part of your life until suddenly it's not there and you think, oh, I didn't get to, to do this. I am not confident at the moment that I will be able to go to Scotland for Christmas. Just don't know what that'll look like. And the situation there is also changing by the minute with infections going up, infections going down and different levels of restrictions on all sorts of things. Yes, I communicate with more, more with my family, but I don't get to see them. I don't get to be with them. Um, and that's the same to some extent here. I, I lived for a very long time in Atlanta, Georgia. So a lot of my American friends, if you like, are that part of the country. And so I don't see them all that often. Although traditionally I've gone there for Thanksgiving Again, I'm not really sure if I will travel there for Thanksgiving. The friends that I visit have an elderly relative. And so my concern would be, I'm not sure I would want, would want to travel into that. But on the other hand, as I was talking to my friend the other day, he wasn't sure that his mother would in fact be able to join them. So that may be a moot point, but I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not settled. I haven't made plans. So to some extent for me, that's not bad. I sort of hate making plans really far in advance. I'm just not that, or I maybe have ideas in my head, but I hate actually buying the tickets and 
I don't want to do it at the last minute, but I don't want to do it, you know, eight months in advance, which is very different from my, from my brother. My brother would be planning, he's probably planning two years ahead of time, buying tickets and all sorts, but that's not me. Um, so it's not a huge imposition for me not to buy tickets at the moment, but it's sort of not really knowing what is feasible. That's the part that's tricky. And can I see people? Should I see people? Um, and of course, a lot of it depends. What are we like here? What's our infection rate here? And then the places I have to travel through to get there, it's further than I would want to drive. It's a good 15 and a half hours, I think, to drive. So that's a two-day trip. Okay, if it's a two-day trip, where do I stay overnight? And you just have that thinking about how many more possibilities are there? And maybe I'm slightly, I'm not paranoid about it, but there's a balance to what is, what is a reasonable risk to take and what is a risk that I don't need to take. You know, will I, will the world end if I don't go to Atlanta for Thanksgiving? No, of course it won't. Um, life would just go on. Is it worth the risk? Well, it depends what the risk really is at that point. And then also from my perspective, if I get sick, what does that look like? How does that affect my classes? How does that affect my students? How does that affect my faculty colleagues? So what's my responsibility there? So that's something else that I think is, is my obligation to think about. Um, and so it's not just about me, it's about if I do something that I don't need to do that results in me getting sick, am I creating extra work? Am I disadvantaging my students? What's the story? And do you think the pandemic has had an effect on your uh, mental health? To, to some extent, yes, of course I think it, it has because so many things are taken away, if you like, are removed. And again, as somebody who lives alone, what is most taken away is um, contact. And that is very important. I think older people are much more prone to this when they have fewer friends and are less able to go out and have less interaction. And so it's much harder for them and they suffer very much from this lack of interaction, lack of human contact. So yes, to that extent. Um, now, I have lived alone for a lot of my life, so it's not a big, it's not an unusual state for me. And it's not, that part is not debilitating. The, the length of this and the strain of doing everything online is debilitating. I think we said, I mentioned earlier, doing things online takes longer. And that just sort of builds up to where you're less inclined to want to do certain things because it's going to be too much effort. I think all my fa faculty colleagues and I have encountered 
frustrations with technology over the summer. Some of it to do with everybody now being, for example, in Zoom and Zoom taking much longer to respond. So for example, with recordings of meetings or with captioning. And it's not that any one thing has been tragic or terrible, but it's the accumulation of little things and little irritations and the lack of outlets really to talk about them, to fix them, that I think does become a, a strain on you. And you simply need to find ways to renew your mental health and to calm yourself down. Some of it simply being to say, it's all right for this not to work. And I find my saying that a lot with students who are emailing me in distress, you know, this happened and I, I was planning to spend the whole weekend on my assignment and I couldn't do it and now it's late and I'm upset and I'd say, I understand. And while we don't want to encourage late work, but we're in a stressful period and it's cumulative stress. And the least little thing now I think can blow up out of all proportion and become you know, a huge barrier. So at that point, it's okay. Don't worry if you need an extra couple of days to do this. Take the time and do it well and get some benefit from doing it rather than rushing to do it before the deadline and doing a poor job and not deriving any benefit from it at all. Are you seeing anything positive come out of the changes we've had to make for the pandemic? Well, I think people are aware much more aware of how important being with each other is and of how limited our technic technically enhanced meetings are and how poor social media is or so-called social media. I think that's one thing that we can see at the moment. Some of the other things I don't think we'll be able to see until we're through this. It's hard at the moment to think what the benefits might be because we have had a lot of changed lifestyles. A lot of the changes have involved not doing things and the not doing things has impacted other people and their jobs. So anybody who essentially is in a service industry that requires you to be there um, has suffered and is still suffering. So for example, I mean, think about restaurants. You have to be in a restaurant or you have to go to a restaurant to pick up food. Think about people who cut hair, people who do manicures, people who work closely with you. All those are, you know, more dangerous or exposing activities and you can't do it. Now, if you're a plumber, you don't need the homeowner standing over you in order to fix their plumbing. And I know, I don't know, I suppose it's a fairly common emporia sort of thing, but I've done things where I've let someone into the house and just said, lock the door when you leave. And I've gone because I had other things to do and I was happy leaving them in the house to do the work. So tradespeople, I think, 
haven't had the same level of um, loss. Although obviously at the beginning, certainly I think people were not doing anything, but all the services, I don't know that people are still easy. If it's a case of, do you, do you really need it? Or is it something that you can say, is that just an additional risk? And I'm still cutting my own hair. You can probably tell, fortunately, this is not being videoed, but that just seems, just thinking about the setup, thinking about the possibilities for disease transmission in a place which is open, that has multiple people going in at a time, which has people of all ages going in at a time, that just seems like, to me, an unacceptable risk at the moment. Because, again, I don't think the risk is any less now than it was in March. And perhaps a little more, since we have more of it in the community, where in March we really didn't have cases in the community by whenever it was, April, May, June, we did have cases in the community and we've continued to have cases in the community. I, I think partly some of my caution also comes from this understanding or realization that it's not this particular disease is not just something that you catch and you recover from, but the reports I'm reading are indicating that even very young, very healthy people can have sort of almost life-changing damage to internal organs, to brain, to other parts. So it's not simply uh, I catch it and I'm, you know, and I get over it and I move on, it's, I may catch it, I may recover, but there may be long-term consequences. And at that point, since we're not really sure what those completely are and the extent to which they are manifesting themselves, that to me seems to make more sense if I'm able to keep myself removed. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrap up for the day? I think it's, it's sort of funny, or I only really realized. I would not have said I indulged in danger sports, but when I look at the activities that I do, all of them are high-risk COVID-19 activities. So singing, I dance, I teach dancing, all dancing of the type I do is gone at the moment because dancing, people are dancing, people are breathing, people are touching hands all the time. It's, you know, the possibility of disease transmission is, is very high. But I'm just laughing and saying, so really, I should have answered, yes, I indulge in high-risk sports. Um, so those activities being gone, I think, made me realize just, but also how important they are and how, how much I enjoy them. But then 
so many other things. This is the first time I've ever spent the whole summer in Emporia because usually I will go home. Some of it is. Thank you very much. I'm from, you know, hundreds of miles further north. I'm not used to the temperature. Actually, I thought this summer was not as bad as it has been reported in the past, but I've never spent the whole summer in Emporia, but I've spent a bizarre summer in Emporia because nothing was on. The, the band concerts were all canceled. All the activities were canceled. The Dirty Kanza was canceled. The disc golf tournaments were mostly canceled. The summer theater was canceled. Everything was gone. So although I was here, I could have been anywhere because other than a trip to the store once a week, you know, I went as far as my yard and cutting the grass and that's been it. So I think that was one thing. The other thing that I think is a little puzzling to some extent is seeing people who are not willing to wear a mask, who are not willing to think about protecting the people around about them, or who are simply apparently in denial that this exists. Um, and that's, I, I think it's worrying. I think it's very sad, particularly in a small community as Emporia, to see people who are unwilling to protect the people around them that to me says something about the community that I don't like because a mask is not for me, a mask is for the people around me. And I'm trying to be very careful about wearing a mask whenever I go out. So even I have a post office box. So even if I go to the post office late at night, I wear a mask when I walk in and until I come out again, because that's my responsibility. But seeing people who choose not to, um, I don't know, that just disappoints me, I think, and is rather, I think, sad about the commentary on, on the value they place on their fellow community members. Well, Andrew, thank you for your time. I appreciate you taking the hour to uh, talk to me about this. I appreciate you uh, participating in this project. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for, for asking and getting a slightly different perspective, perhaps, than some of the other people. It is, and it is different. You know, it's different because it's the university. It's different because I'm a single person. Mm -hmm. It's different because I usually don't spend time here in the summer. Different in all kinds of ways. But anyway, it's good to put this down. Thank you for taking the time to... Uh, to do this project and think about preserving some of the understanding of what we're going on.